Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, we began our look at Prosecutor James Krause's rebuttal closing. On today's installment, we conclude that review and listen as Judge Bruce Schrader hands the fate of Kyle Rittenhouse over to the jury. That's all coming up right after the break. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. That plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Prosecutor James Krause continues his delivery of the state's final word in the trial by zeroing in on what the prosecution calls the provocative act by the defendant that, Krause argues, led to the defendant's fatal confrontation with Joseph Rosenbaum. There's some talk about how the defendant came around that Duramax and raised his gut. That didn't seem to be a, a, a contested issue in the case until the defendant lied about it on the stand. The defense themselves submitted an exhibit, number 41, in which it is, it is denoted where the person that put that video together indicates Rittenhouse pointing gun at Zeminski's. I think it has a question mark. This was their exhibit. There was testimony from Detective Antaramian, and we showed this drone video. But then the defendant won't admit to it on the stand, and then all of a sudden the defense has to fight it and talk about hocus pocus and make up little clever rhymes. The defendant could have told you the truth, but that hurts his case, and that gives us provocation. Now, I did have, on rebuttal, Mr. Armstrong put in two very blurry pictures. Mr. Binger didn't even mention these pictures in his closing, because they're maybe the fifth, sixth, or seventh strongest pieces of evidence that Mr. Rittenhouse raised his gun. But the defense is seizing on them, and they inaccurately said that it took him 20 hours of work to do. He worked on that drone video for 20 hours. He made us multiple uh, shorter videos of it. These images were the last part of that work. And that image does show Mr. Rittenhouse holding a gun. It is blurry, does it show every detail? No. But we thought it important that there at least be some still shot besides these videos. The second one I showed, again, is very blurry, but it's of the shooting. And you see Mr. Rittenhouse blurry, you see the puff of smoke, and you see Mr. Rosenbaum blurry, still very much upright. And that is why those pictures are given. It was the tail end of all the work that Mr. Armstrong did on this video. The defense seems very scared of these, of these pictures because it helps to prove their client lied on the stand, and it shows that he provoked the attack. Prosecutor Krause then shows the drone video once more and narrates as it plays. Now, if you see in this video, Mr. Richards wants to make it seem like the only recourse the defendant has in retreating is walking into this mob of people who are breaking cars. 
But look at all that open space that he has. At this moment, he could have turned around and ran in that space and gone right back up Sheridan, and everyone would be alive and everyone would be fine. Instead, he decides to start slowing down and run into these cars in which he is supposedly trapped, which would be like being trapped in a Target parking lot. As you see, as we keep playing it, he goes around them no problem, and he goes right into this totally clear space that was available to him the whole time. He did not exhaust his duty to retreat. He did not exhaust all of his options. Krauss next uses several video clips to rebut the defense argument that the people chasing Rittenhouse did not witness the Rosenbaum shooting. Uh, this is in relation to Mr. Richards indicated that no one that uh, attacked or that went after Mr. Rittenhouse in the second incident observed the shooting. That is not true. Uh, this video shows the person that is referred to as Jump Kick Man leaving the scene. And we have another view as well from another video, but I'll point that out. Kraus again plays the enlarged drone video footage that captured the Rosenbaum shooting and argues that it shows Rosenbaum falling, not reaching for Rittenhouse's weapon. And this shows the part of the chase. That's where you see a point. Mr. Uh, Rosenbaum does his jump. See the defendant slowing down, seemingly preparing to shoot. And look where that first shot is. This is the zoomed in image that will eventually was shown. Look how far he's not reaching. He's being shot in the hip and falling. And he goes immediately to the ground and the defendant sees fit to keep shooting at him, although he poses absolutely no threat. After these videos, Prosecutor Krauss makes a series of rapid-fire rebuttal arguments to counter a number of the points made in Mark Richards' defense closing. A lot has been made about how Gage Grosskreutz had an attorney. How hypocritical from a lawyer to hear someone criticize someone else hiring counsel. Mr. Rittenhouse isn't here alone. He has lawyers. And I apologize that the district attorney's office followed our interpretation of Marcy's Law which is a fairly recent, especially at that time, constitutional amendment. Gage Grosskreutz is not on trial. He followed the advice of counsel not to turn over his phone, just as anyone who hires counsel can do. They can follow the advice of their counsel. We got his old video from that night. The defense has seen it. We have it. What else do we need? Text messages from three weeks before? They just want to try to dig up dirt because they think it's there because the defense wants you to believe that these people got what was coming to them. That they were bad people doing bad things, and we should be proud and boastful of Mr. Rittenhouse for killing them. We heard from Ms. Carrie Ann Swart. Now that Nathan DeBruin talked about jail, now we can try to smear Mr. Rosenbaum more, although there really is no dispute, or was no dispute, that he came from a hospital. He's carrying a hospital bag. Ms. Swart testified that she talked to the hospital about how he would be released, that he went to this hospital, she knew he was coming home from the hospital. She knew it was in the bag. And he showed that picture of it backlit against the fire, trying to make it seem sinister. She talked about how there were medical papers in there. And we did that image again. Mr. Armstrong did this image for us, where you can get a little peek in the bag. And I would argue you can see medical papers. Though that big image, that big image they see looks like rolled up medical records that you get when you're discharged from a hospital. And Ms. Swart testified that he was given medications that day. Perhaps they didn't work, perhaps there was a bad reaction, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but he was given that day. He could not get the ones for future days uh, because things were closed. Uh, Balch did not testify that he thought there was anything sinister in the bag. 
Um, he made. He said he said something in, inaccurate at the time, but he said that he saw shampoo bottles in a water bottle. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Prosecutor Kraus pivots to the testimony of Nathan DeBruin, arguing that DeBruin was a biased witness. Mr. DeBruin... He did take some nice photographs, and he clearly wanted the world to know that he took some nice photographs. He's really more relevant to Mr. Zeminski, and he apparently, this is the photo of the bag, you can examine that further. Mr. DeBruin must have some problem with police and DA's offices. He goes to the detectives, he doesn't give a full story. He says, he testified to this, this is not me saying anything, he forgot things because he was so nervous because the, the door to the police station still had an unrepaired window. That caused him such nervousness that he could not give a full statement. He meets with us in a very polite, short meeting. He has very little relevance to this case that we knew about. And yes, we showed him some videos. Is this Josh Zeminski? Oh, no, it's not. Okay, would you see him in these other pictures? Yes. You don't know it's Josh Zeminski? Okay. Somehow that's us getting him to change his statement. We had him read his statement. Do you have anything to add to it? No. The next day, he goes over to Mr. Richard's office. All of a sudden, he knows all this extra information that wasn't in his statement. Oh, but he was so nervous meeting with us because we showed him a video or photograph that he took of Joshua Zeminski. And then what does he do? He goes and hires a lawyer very closely connected with a gossip blogger who attacks my office on a regular basis and who is very pro-Rittenhouse. Another just funny coincidence in this case, just like how Mr. Hernandez, who doesn't live in this state, could hire any of the thousands of attorneys in Wisconsin or tens of thousands of attorneys in the state. But no, he hires an attorney who Kyle Rittenhouse's defense team has already paid money to that firm. What a coincidence. Krauss then returns to the defendant's testimony and his actions. Mr. Rittenhouse denied pointing a gun at the yellow pants man, said he was being sarcastic. Well, Mr. Richards basically just admitted he did point the gun. So which is it? We know that Mr. Rittenhouse was going around that night trying to be a paramedic, a policeman, and a fireman without receiving any real training in any of them. Tough job to do all three at once. And he went around with his gun trying to scare people, to intimidate them, to not do minor property damage. He's a chaos tourist. He was there to see what was going on, act important, be a big deal. And then the moment a little bit of that chaos comes back at him, he cowardly shoots a man instead of fighting back. You put yourself in this situation, you know it's going to be out of hand. It gets a little out of hand. Someone is chasing me, and you have to shoot him. That is not privileged. 
that is not reasonable. And that is not what any reasonable person in the defendant's shoes would have done. Now, there's talk about how the defendant maybe have re-racked his gun. We don't see that in the video. We don't know what he did. But we do know that as Gage Grosskreutz is sitting there with his hands up, the defendant turns over his gun and is looking at it and is doing something with it. The defendant admitted to this, that he looked at the gun. Fully reasonable that Mr. Grosskreutz could have assumed that he was re-racking and preparing to fire. And it does not mean that a unspent shell casing has to be on the ground. Officer Bray testified that she shot AR-15s. She knows AR-15s. If it jams and there's an unspelled shell casing, the re-racking will take out the unspent shell casing. It does not have to be a live round. I don't know what he was doing with his gun, but it's certainly reasonable for Mr. Grosskreutz to interpret it that way. And then what does he do? He doesn't step back and take a firing position and shoot. He didn't shoot him five to six seconds earlier when, he was, when Mr. Rittenhouse was being an active shooter after having killed his second person and shot at his third, he would have, any, he would have every right to have, have, to have stopped Mr. Rittenhouse's activities at that point. But he didn't. He came up closer, he surrendered, and he said, or, you know, he believed his surrender was not being accepted. Who shoots someone like this? Is he trying to shoot his own hand off? He never does anything about an actual position to shoot that gun. And as Mr. Richards admitted in his closing, when it's pointed at his head, his, his arm is already blown off. We're supposed to be so scared of Mr. Grosskreutz with his Glock when the defendant is holding a loaded AR-15. And now a skateboard is a deadly weapon. Someone should tell all the parents and grandparents and Santa Claus giving skateboards this Christmas about how they're giving their children a deadly weapon. I guess they should get him an AR-15 instead. Prosecutor Krauss ends his closing with an appeal to the common sense of the jurors. I want to leave you with this, the meaning of reasonable doubt. I'm going to read portions of this instruction. Obviously, you'll have the whole instruction. The term reasonable doubt means a doubt based upon reason and common sense. It is a doubt for which a reason can be given. A reasonable doubt is not a doubt which is based on mere guesswork or speculation. That's what the defense is asking you to do, to guess what Mr. Rosenbaum was doing, to speculate what Mr. Rosenbaum was doing, to speculate and guess what Mr. Huber and this unidentified man were doing. We don't know because he killed two of them. All we can look at is the evidence and see him standing pretty much straight up or exactly straight up when he was shot in the hip and immobilized. A doubt which arises merely from sympathy or from fear to return a verdict of guilt is not a reasonable doubt. The defense's whole case has been trying to stoke sympathy for Mr. Rittenhouse and showing how everyone else was just a terrible person. Every life counts. Every life matters. If people did bad things that night, they could have been prosecuted. It's not up for Mr. Rittenhouse to be the judge, the jury, and eventually the executioner. A reasonable doubt is not a doubt such as may be used to escape the responsibility of a decision. There's a lot going on in this case. We all know that. We all knew that from the day we walked in on November 1st. But this verdict should be about what the facts are and what Mr. Rittenhouse did. That's what the 12 of you who go to deliberate will go and decide. You are the fact finders.
You decide what is beyond a reasonable doubt. You decide what he is guilty or not guilty of from this menu of options that you now have. An imminent threat. The only imminent threat that night was Mr. Rittenhouse. He was not acting in legal, justified self-defense. He's guilty. Thank you. After Krauss concludes his closing, Judge Bruce Schrader gives the jury a final set of instructions before sending them off to begin their deliberations. At the end of those instructions, he includes a rather eyebrow-raising admonition. Members of the jury, the time has now come when the great burden of reach, reaching a just, fair, and conscientious decision in this case will be placed wholly with you jurors selected for this most important duty. You will not be swayed by sympathy, passion, prejudice, or political beliefs. You will disregard any impression which you may have regarding what you believe to be my opinions on the guilt or innocence of the defendant. You will disregard the claims or opinions of any other person or news media or social networking site. You will pay no heed to the opinions of anyone, even the President of the United States or the President before him. The founders of our country gave you and you alone the power and the duty to decide this case based solely on the evidence presented in this court. And with that, we conclude this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us on our next installment as we take a look at a mistrial motion hearing and other judge-attorney conferences that took place while jury deliberations were underway. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Karenik, and it was edited by Chris Taracone. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.